Hello, welcome to the Petcast, brought to you by leading pet charity Blue Cross. I'm Emma Barton and I have my co-host Poppy Dog sleeping behind me for the moment. Now, if you're a parent, at some point you may have found yourself on the receiving end of the question, can we have a puppy or can we have a hamster, cat, rabbit or even a pony? And while having a pet is a wonderful experience for a child and probably a way of keeping the peace for you, how do you ensure it's as much fun for your new pet too? You know, actually looking at them, understanding when they might be feeling a bit sad or a bit scared or even happy. So it's a great experience for children to be brought up with a pet. Kerry Taylor is an education manager at Blue Cross and her team visits schools and gives online talks, helping children learn about the joys and responsibilities of sharing your life with an animal. In this episode, she'll give us tips on the right pet options for children and how to look after them. You know, if, if a child wants a lot of handling and interaction, then maybe a hamster isn't the best type of pet for them. And this is what we do on the Petcast. Have candid conversations around the big issues facing pet lovers like me and you, with some of the UK's leading pet experts who are on hand to give us their best tips, tricks and guidance. Kerry, welcome back to the Petcast. How are you? I'm really well, thank you, Emma. Right, well, so your job is all about children and animals and sharing lots of knowledge about pets to the younger generation. So what is it about animals that most children seem to love so much? Do you know, I think it's so hard to pinpoint that, isn't it? You can see Mm. a child when they meet a dog or a cat and they just seem to light up. And I knew myself, you know, as a child, I always loved animals. And there's just this connection, I think, with children and pets. And I feel very lucky, actually, that I work with both. So I love teaching children and talking to them about pets. And also, you know, pets have been my lifelong passion. So, yeah, yeah, I feel very fortunate. What do you think are the benefits sort of of growing up around a pet? I'm I'm begging my mum and dad (laughs) for a dog um, from about the age of four. Um, we, we got a hamster, yeah. um, Rolo, uh, my brother and I instead, but that took a long time to sort of, um, win my parents round. But it's, I suppose it, you suddenly feel responsible for, for something else. Yeah, definitely. And do you know, I was that child as well. I used to beg my parents for a dog, absolutely beg them all the time. And now I look back, you know, I actually understand why we didn't have a dog. We had a really busy lifestyle and we had lots mm. of clubs and things going on, but like you, I got a hamster instead (laughs) and (laughs) I think most children do but it was a great way for my parents to actually see that I could take responsibility for a pet and I could look after yeah yeah and those benefits are huge to children from building confidence um learning about responsibility building empathy so empathy is something that you develop as a child and you need to practice and caring for a pet is a great way of doing that you know, actually looking at them, understanding when they might be feeling a bit sad or a bit scared or even happy. So it's a great experience for children to be brought up with a pet. Kerry, do you have any tips for bringing your first family pet home? It's always important, I think, as a family, just to make sure you prepare. So get everything that you need ready. So if it's a dog, for example, you bring home a puppy, make sure that they've got their bed. Make sure you do it as a family as well. Um, you know, let's have a think about what best places we can put the bed. Where are we going to put the food and water bowl? You know, where's their quiet space going to be? So doing that as a family can really help. And that way, when that new pet comes home, you're all ready. You're all set up. 
You don't have to think about those things. And then really, it's just about relaxing. So mm-hmm. there's so many emotions. Everyone's so excited. But the pet may be feeling a little bit anxious, a little bit excited at some points. And it's important just to relax and let them settle in, give them that time and don't rush it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I could imagine, I mean, it's just me and Poppy Dog, but, um, you know, if say, for example, you have got the mum and dad and say two children, who do we listen to? Because that dog or cat is going to be a bit scared, like you said. And who's in charge? Who's the one that has to say, right, I'm the one that's giving the rules out here. And you don't want the children sort of pulling the tail there or saying, oh, I want the I want the dog or I want the cat in my bedroom. And how do you get around that? Yeah, I mean, that's a tricky one. And actually, you want your children to feel ownership and to feel empowered to make choices and decisions. But ultimately, as the adult and as the parent, you know, you are the one that needs to make sure that relationship is going to blossom and everyone's going to be really happy. So I'm just trying to think when, um, so I've got two daughters, I've got Poppy, who's eight, (laughs) and um, and Bella, who's four, and Diddy, our dog, who me and my husband, Sean, I mean, we, you know, he's 13 years old now. So we had him a, a long time before the children came. And I was so worried because he was our life and everything. But I wanted that relationship to build naturally, but I had to step in and and give those boundaries when, for example, when the children are at toddler phase, you know, they do like tails and they do want to go in the dog's space. And that's really uncomfortable for the dog. So I did have to say, look, here's the boundaries. This is why. And talking to children about the reasons why, how would you feel if? even from a really young age, can be really beneficial. And that's a massive life skill. You know, we want children to go out and be safe in the community around dogs they don't know. So you can turn it into a bit of a lesson as well and a a bit of a family, um, I suppose, structure and routine as well. Yeah, that's a really good idea. And also, I suppose, all using the same words. Otherwise, it's so confusing. I've seen that before (laughs) myself where, like, I might use a word for wanting my doggy to do something and then my dad might say something totally other. But she doesn't really understand that word. (laughs) So, yeah, so all having the same sort of um, vocabulary. So, yeah, you're you're so right. I suppose it's important. And the thing is, well, like, we forget sometimes that children learn by watching us. So Mm. how I am with Diddy and how my husband Sean is with Diddy, our children pick up on that. So, you know, if we're saying, don't be grabbing Diddy around the neck and giving him a cuddle, don't be giving him a kiss, you know, don't be, I don't know, bothering while he's eating. It's really important that we live those things as well. So we make sure we don't do it. And then the children pick up actually, oh yeah, you know, mum and dad don't do that. And I know the reason behind that. Yeah, totally. No, that's good. And so, yeah, going from that, actually, what are the common sort of mistakes family make when they're getting in pet. Yeah, you know, I think, again, it comes down to that excitement. And we often hear at Blue Cross um, many stories where families have gone out and made an impulse buy. And that Mm. can be a really common mistake because... I mean, it's hard, isn't it? You know, we were both those children that were like, Mum, can we please have a pet? And it's hard to say no. And if you buy a pet on an impulse, um, you not you haven't necessarily done that research behind that pet, what they need. Do um do we know about 
you know, um, how much time they're going to take, the cost of them, where have we got it from? You know, if you come and get a rescue pet from Blue Cross, for example, you know, we help you through all that process. They've been vet checked. We support you along the way. But if it's off a website or a friend of the family, you know, you haven't got that structure yeah. in place. And that's it. That's another thing is as well is, is knowing sort of, I guess, their history. And, you know, if you are getting a puppy, you don't know how this puppy is going to turn out to be. You don't know what their mummy and daddy's like. That's when you've got to be, I guess, so careful. And yes, they might have the most beautiful face, but, you know, you don't know if they've, what they're going to turn out like, you know. So, yeah, you've got to put that sort of homework in, I guess, and all being in on it together. And it's, I, I've seen it. I've I've mm-hmm. seen families that have said, "Oh, we're going to get a puppy," and you know, a month down the line, you say, "Well, oh, how how how's puppy life going?" And or you know, my little Fred or is not getting on with the dog, mm-hmm. and he doesn't like it. You know, and it's so sad to hear. And you think, "Well, how are you going to overcome that?" Yeah, and that does happen. We do hear stories of that all the time, and it is about recognizing that. So I think for some families, sometimes you carry on and you think it will be okay. You know, things will change and it doesn't. So if you recognize that actually we may have made the wrong decision or we've got some things that we really need to work on to make sure we're all a happy family together, then get take those steps early. So whether it's, you know, contacting a charity like Blue Cross and getting advice, going to a really reputable behaviorist and getting some training advice on that, you know, get those steps in early because the longer you leave it, the harder it can be. And also something important to remember, I think, is these things happen and circumstances change or it doesn't always work out for families, but that is okay. Although it's really hard for people to get their head around, you know, we have many families come to Blue Cross who are devastated about having to give their pet to us, you know, sign their pet over to us. They love their pet, but they know it isn't working. And removing that judgment from yourselves, you know, is, is really important as well. And, and making sure you go to that ch- charity to get that help is really important. How should the kids um, and their parents start looking for a pet? Mm. So say, for example, um, I wanted to go and get a, a kitten or I wanted, you know, or rehome a cat, mm-hmm. for example. Where, where do I start? Where do I start? Yeah, there's so much to think about. But the first thing is do it as a family. Sit down. Think about what type of pet you want. You know, what would fit your lifestyle? How much time can we give that pet? What do you want from that pet? You know, if you're getting a kitten, you probably want to play with the kitten. You want to have that interaction. You know, you want a bit of fun with them. You also might want a lap cat and lots of strokes. And building that picture of the ideal pet helps because then you have an idea of what you're looking for. You know, if if a child wants a lot of handling and interaction, then maybe a hamster isn't the best type of pet for them. You know, as we know as kids who had hamsters, they sleep most of the day. And if you're wanting to be playing with a pet in the day, then, you know, it might not be quite right. So get all that in place and then really look at where you might get them from. So charities are always a great option because you know what you're getting, the health checks, you get that support. Um, And ultimately, you're doing a good thing. You're helping a pet in need. Um, But if there isn't a suitable pet at a charity, then make sure you do that research and you see the parents of the pet that you're looking for. If it's a dog, for example, um, bring up the vet. So if you're going to visit a puppy what vet are they using can you get recommendations you know chat to as many people as you can because 
taking a longer time to pick the right pet will be well worth it in the long run. Definitely, because we get, yeah, we do get overexcited, don't we? So I'll have that one. How important is it to see, for example, a doggy, um, their mummy and daddy? So important, you know, so important because you learn so much from watching a puppy with their mother. Um, yeah. And you want to make sure that that actually is their mother. You know, have you seen that puppy drinking? Um, have you seen them socializing with the other puppies? Are they living indoors rather than living outside? You know, because actually a puppy who is brought up outside in a kennel, for example, has no experience of living in a house. They've never heard a washing machine. You know, they've never heard the telly. And the first kind of six to eight weeks of a puppy's life is where they soak in all this information so, you know, make sure that you are seeing all those, you know, with the mother, getting all the papers and vaccination records. And Blue Cross has some amazing information online about, you know, if you are looking at getting a puppy, here are all the things to look out for. So, yeah, do make sure you get all that info. My puppy dog was um, outside, actually, and she did. She did. She um she fitted in very well into the house, yeah. but it was certain noises. Like she did not like the sound of the hoover uh-huh. or, um, <laughs> for a while. And actually now she's still at 12 and a half. She still likes to have a go at it. <laughs> um, what about other pets as well? Like hamsters, rats or rabbits? Yeah, and um, I think most people, when they think about getting a pet, dogs and cats come to mind first off, don't they? But actually yeah. small pets make, they do make fantastic family pets as long as you know about them and you 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 set your expectations, I suppose. So like I said, with a hamster, you know, if they're going to be asleep in the day, that's okay. Um, but make sure that the, the children aren't waking them up and trying to get them out to handle them. Um, rats make fantastic family pets, although their reputation, you know, <laughs> doesn't... I know. It, I'm listening. raising my eyebrows, <laughs> Kerry, because obviously I love all animals. And yeah, yeah I've, I mean, I haven't actually cuddled a rat or picked one up or no. known anybody that's had a rat but go on tell me how wonderful rats oh, are they, they're amazing they're sociable they're very clean and people don't think they are but they are really clean you can even train rats and I've known um my um nephew who's got a rat does little agility courses with his, his rat he loves it, you know. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, great fun for the pet, great fun for him as well. I mean, he's 10 years old, so absolutely loves that. And that sort of pet is is really good fun for kids and they get to learn a lot. So, yeah, don't discount rats, I don't think, as a family. If your, your pet is unwell or feeling a bit tired, how do we teach our children mm. sort of to, to respect their animals. Yeah, it's a really good point. It's so important to talk to children about not invading their space because we know, you know, if you're sleeping and your alarm goes off or if someone comes scared you and woke you up, you're, you could be a bit grumpy. You might yeah, be a bit scared. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and it's exactly I'll throw the same. something yeah, at them. There you go. <laughs> it's exactly the same for our pets. So um, I remember when I was obviously with Diddy and my girls, there are certain times of the day or when Diddy would do certain things that, that I taught them about, actually, we need to leave, leave Diddy alone now. And one of those is when he was sleeping. So if he goes off to his bed, if he takes himself off to his bed, he's tired. He wants some rest. He needs a bit of time out. And actually talking to them about when Diddy's in his bed, that's his space you know, and that's a time to leave him alone when he's eating. Again, that's really important because just like us, you know, I don't like anyone taking my food off me. 
And it's not, it can be the same for dogs. So when Diddy's eating, the girls will leave him be. They won't come in his space. Or you can even have a stair gate that you can separate them, especially if you've got really young children. A stair gate can be so useful. And it's not a punishment for a dog in any way. You know, it should be a positive. Actually, the dog's eating. He's in his safe space. We leave him be. And the other thing I really found as well, when the girls were eating, nightmare. Yes. <laughs> They Do drop, they just oh. drop something maybe on yeah. the floor just to say, you can have some of that Diddy too, yes. if you like? <laughs> and they very quickly learn that Diddy would be there in a second. You know, oh, what are you eating? And although that seems quite cute at the beginning, you're like, oh, look, he's gone to see them. Actually, you don't want him eating the scraps of food that they drop. It could be something that isn't good for him. Also, mm. you from a young age, you, know, it, you don't want the children to start thinking that's a fun game because you can then start having the dog coming up, jumping up, taking things off the table out of the children's hands. Kids walk around with food. And I didn't want Diddy picking them out of his hands and accidentally hurting them, for example. So very much in our household, um, to try and keep that peace and that happy relationship, any food time was separated. So whether that's Diddy eating or it's the girls, if the girls are eating, then I give Diddy a Kong stuffed with some good treats for him and he'd go off as well and have his own little treats. Um, And I really found that helped our family so much. You know, just those little things made such a difference. Yeah, so they know they know the rules, and mm. then your 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 pet does too. I, I notice as well some little ones um, when they want to come and give Poppy a cuddle, they sort of smack the dog yeah. on sort of the back. How do we teach them to sort of stroke your animal or pick uh-huh. up so like your rabbit um, up properly? Where do we go for advice on that? Yeah, I mean, especially toddler age when children are wobbly and they're like falling around you know if 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 dog comes over and and children that age don't know how hard they're doing anything you know they're learning about their own body and reading body language of other people so that sort of interaction needs to be really closely monitored by the owner and the parent and it is more about letting the dog come up and have a sniff And if they want to stroke, it's about encouraging that child to, you know, use the back of their hand and gently down the shoulder, not on the head. It's going to be very hard at a really young age for them to fully understand that. But practicing that, and as soon as the dog's had enough, you know, let that dog go, give short sessions, really positive sessions, and that's going to really help. With rabbits, it's a little bit more difficult I suppose you know rabbits are prey animals they don't like to be picked up you know they don't feel oh, safe do they not no they don't feel safe in the air and that's when they might scratch and a child can become a little bit scared of a rabbit and drop it yeah jump yeah. and drop and drop the, yeah. the animal yeah that's that's a worry so the best thing you can do is actually just get into a safe enclosed environment whether that's in the run in the garden or you know sat in your house if a rabbit's comfortable in there um, get the child to sit down and just let the rabbit hop around you know hop about um, have a little sniff if they really want the rabbit on their lap you could put a little um, if they're sat down put a little pillow on there so their nails aren't going to hurt them and encourage the rabbit up but really let that form naturally so you're not forcing the child to pick up any you know any rabbit or anything like that where a situation might happen at the moment there's a little bit of a trend going on on social media like on tiktok and reels and on insta doing little videos with their their animals and their pets 
is this fun? You know, it might be to the people doing their recording, mm-hmm. you know, the teenagers or the young, younger kids, but is this, you know, is this going to scare or upset our, our pets? And, and what's your views on this, Kerry? Yeah, I mean, I cringe every time I see these things because, like you said, you know, is it fun? And actually, when you look at some videos, if there was a um, real trend of scaring your pet and seeing their reaction or getting in your pet's space and seeing how they react. And when you really oh. think about it, you know, we're putting pets in a situation that makes them feel uncomfortable scared they can't talk to us they can't tell us and in the some of these videos you can see the body language you know the dogs with the white eyes and they're carrying back their ears are back and actually I suppose what really worries me is out in society you know people are watching these videos and thinking it's okay and especially young children or younger people you know it they see in these and they think it's okay to put animals in that situation and I understand people think it's a bit fun and but when you really look at it you know it, it's not nice to put our pets in that situation. I suppose it's a lack of understanding the peer pressure but you know our fairy friend doesn't want to have that hat on and doing all these tricks yeah. you can tell. Yeah. If they're unhappy you've I think you've got to call it a day. So yeah. Yeah, I think we should leave the pranks alone. I love seeing videos where pets are in their natural environment and enjoying it so I did um I've been looking at TikTok and the trends and things and I saw a little rabbit who was uh like jumping around and they do their little kicks and he was with a friend and it was the owner of this rabbit was videoing what rabbits love to do and I would love to see more of that more yeah, of the let's, good let's stuff push that yeah come on <laughs> Share your videos on what they are actually yeah. doing. I, I I do. I film Poppy Dog all the time when she she sleeps in the most ridiculous way and <laughs> snores her head off and things like that. I just think, oh, that's brilliant. She's happy. Yeah, she's happy. Yeah. On the flip side of a light, obviously, what what do we do if our children are scared, a mm. little bit nervous? I've got a, a niece who she loves animals and she's she shows she says she's so confident and I. I'm very happy around them, but actually there is a side that she is a little bit nervous. I can tell Poppy Dog knows this with her, but also like we go and visit farms, you know, and there's donkeys or or horses and you can, you know, offer them a carrot or whatever, a bit of of apple. And it's saying to and reassuring the children that Mm -hmm. they're not going to hurt you. That's the only sentence I feel that comes to mind. (laughs) Is that enough? I mean, it's it's a good start to say, actually, you know, these animals are okay. And the main thing is not to push that situation. So we know, you know, if we're scared of something, uh, you know, I'm not particularly fond of spiders. And if someone made me pick up a spider, I'd be very scared. <laughs> <laughs> and it's very yeah. similar with our children. You know, if they are scared, it's okay that they're scared and they're telling us how they feel. And that's better, actually. Um, but we need to just build that up really, really slowly and carefully mm. to not make the situation worse. So yeah, one of my friend's sons, actually, he's quite scared of dogs. And I know that Diddy, my dog, is really friendly. And we've been working now for the last few months where he just, he might pop up, they might pop over and we um, put Diddy in his little safe space and he has a little Kong there and he's quite happy. And then when Charlie is more comfortable and, you know, he's feeling better, he's sat on the sofa, then we'll say, oh, do you want to see Diddy? And he's like, oh, okay. And we just let Diddy have a sniff around, wander around. And then by the end of that kind of 30 minutes, he'd give him a little treat and getting him to do a little trick. 
So it's about just doing it really slowly and not forcing any of those situations because you don't want to yeah, make I guess it worse. And not making a, a big deal yeah. of things. I mean, and you forget a, a donkey's head or a horse's <laughs> head is massive yeah. compared to a five-year-old, you know, so it's sort of us going, oh no, they're okay. Uh-huh. I don't know if that five-year-old's actually going to believe me at first, but yeah, I suppose the slowly, slow approach yeah. um, is going to work. Before we go, what are you and your team doing in terms of working with schools and groups during this horrid time of coronavirus? It's um, even more important, I suppose, than ever to be talking to parents and children about pets, because for the last six months, you know, we've all been at home a lot more. And some pets will flourish in that environment and they'll love having the kids around all the time and everyone being at home. And other pets, it may be more tiring, more stressful. Um, It may have a negative impact on that relationship with you, with the children and the pet. So at Blue Cross, we are so, so aware that we still need to talk to children about pets. So we were very lucky that we were kind of trialing online talks before the coronavirus happened. So we were ready to launch online talks to children in schools, youth groups, even for those that were stuck home um, with home learning. And our online talks are great. They're really engaging. They're teaching children how to respect pets, how to understand what needs they have, and also stay safe around dogs. So we have a fantastic network of volunteer speakers and an amazing team that do wonders talking to children about pets. So I'm really pleased that during this time, we've still managed to fly the pet flag and, um, you know, still let children learn about pets. So what is the one thing you would say to a mum and dad who has a child? And I was one of those child. You said you were one of those child. Mummy and daddy, can we get a pet? (laughs) I I love it now. (laughs) Sometimes I feel like I've turned into my mum. So I'm saying, yeah, I know, right, me too. <laughs> I'm like, wow, you know, we haven't got the time. <laughs> we haven't got this to my children. But I, I think the best advice I can give is if you're at that stage where you're being nagged and nagged and nagged, really think about that decision and get your family involved, get them to do the research, you know, sit down. And I got my um, daughter to do like posters about pets and things like that, you know, get them involved in that early stages and then the biggest tip, which I think really helped our family with um, Diddy and everyone settling in, is just give it time. If you do end up getting a new pet, let that relationship build naturally. And don't feel like, you know, the pet's been here one day and everyone's going to love each other. It's all going to be fine. And you know how things work. You know, give that time and let that pet have more choices about whether they're going to interact with the children or are they going to go and have that quiet time on their own. And that way you build that foundation for a really strong, lovely relationship, beneficial for the family and the pet. And I think that's really important. Can you like borrow a pet? So say your friends or your neighbor Mm -hmm. or your brother or sister, they've got a cat or a dog or even a hamster. I mean, is that a good, good, you know, a good thing to do? I think that's a great idea as long as it's suitable for the pet. So the first thing is the pet can deal with that. But actually, if you're thinking about getting a dog and you've got friends or family that are going on holiday or, you know, need someone to look after them for the weekend, fantastic. You know, make sure you've got everything in place that can keep that dog happy. Again, um, put those boundaries in place for the kids. And it's a really good way of actually thinking, oh, yeah, you know, this might suit our lifestyle. 
I think we could have a dog. Yeah, I think, yeah, that is, I, I think that's a good, I think for the adult then to see how their children are reacting to having this animal around. Oh, Kerry, thank you so much for talking to me today. You, you, you've just come out with these wonderful um, bits of advice. But where do we go if we want a little bit more? Yeah, the really good place to go is obviously Blue Cross website. Got some fantastic information on there. Great YouTube videos about pet advice. Um, So that's a a really good place to go. And just make sure, you know, if you're doing that research phase, go to credible places for advice like a charity. We all know if you Google something, you'll get a hundred different answers to it. So <laughs> you can fall down a trap, which, you know, is not the right information. Um, get your kids to the library. You know, use those local communities out there that have really good books, um, advice there as well. So there's lots you can do, but really do take that time to do that little research phase and, and make sure you get the right pet for you and your family. Thank you so much. That's it for this petcast, but there's tons more information on our website, bluecross.org.uk slash podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share it with fellow pet lovers. And if you love it, write us a review on your podcast app. It'll help people to find the series more easily. I'm Emma Barton. The Petcast is a Bengo Media production for Blue Cross.